Hi, my name is Shannon Lee, Executive Director of Relay, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Hello, welcome to The Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, your host, and this is episode 11. Uh, Shameless ask here, please subscribe. And if you hear something you like, share The Slapcast as well. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can do that at slapcast at relayleadership.org. I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, opinions on the content so far and any ideas you have for future podcasts. Now, it's just me on today's episode. I got back from vacation a couple weeks ago, and let me tell you, I needed that break. Uh, I spent so much time planning an event we had in May, the leadership forum. I didn't realize how high my energy level was and some stress levels until I really came down from it all on vacation. Now, something you all need to understand about me, and I'm sure many of you can identify, it takes me a solid like two to three days on vacation to really let go and relax, to stop checking my emails, Worrying about, you know, responding to people, really convincing myself that, hey, this can wait a week. This is, you know, the world is not going to, we are not the center of the universe. The world is not going to stop spinning if I don't solve this problem for someone. And it just takes me two to three days to really let go. So round about day three, four, I'm finally actually on vacation and enjoying myself. So I'm not saying... Uh, leading a nonprofit is any worse or better than the for-profit world. But I will say this, something that's somewhat unique. A lot of the people we deal with in a nonprofit have other jobs, right? They're, they're board members, they're volunteers. And while they're wonderful people and love to answer my emails and, and answer my questions and engage with me, they're doing so when they're not at work. And so what I realized started that was starting to happen for me professionally was I was getting requests and questions and input on the weekends from my board, from our volunteers and, and business partners. And I was responding to them because I just had this internal urgency all the time to just take care of business. The problem is, is I felt like I never got a break. And so one of the things I've been doing to kind of build quote unquote vacation, if you will, into my week, and I don't mean a literal vacation, but giving myself a break is A, not responding to them on the weekend, but B, setting aside Monday to deal with anything that crept up over the weekend that wasn't an emergency. So I stopped treating normal communications as emergencies because I just have, you know, all of us have like a different internal clock and my internal clock runs 100 miles an hour. And so if I get an email, my tendency is to rush to respond to it. I want to just get it out of my inbox and deal with it. The problem is I was doing that all the time. And so I never really got a break. So setting aside that time on Monday. So how do I do that? I don't take any appointments on Monday now. No appointments. Monday is where I catch up from the weekend. I wrap up any loose ends from Friday that I wasn't able to wrap up on Friday. And I prep for the rest of my meetings that week. And I'm telling you what, it has made a huge difference in my productivity. My productivity has gone up. And it has also created some relaxation in my week where I don't feel as stressed. So I highly recommend it. And we'll see where it leads. Now, in the next month or so, the Slapcast will put on some episodes with what I'll call Columbus gurus. Now, these are folks that are well known in our city for something really specific. 
And it got me thinking, am I a guru of anything? Do we all have guru in us? And what if that answer is no? So we're going to talk about that today. Um, Jonathan, do you think you're a guru of anything? Well, well, there you have it. Okay, welcome again to the Slapcast. I'm really happy to introduce you to today's guest. It's me. (laughs) It's just me. But I'm super excited about this topic because I think it's something on some level we all wrestle with. And it's these three words, am I special? Do I have a unique imprint I want and can leave on the world? We think of these people as gurus or specialists, something like that. And, you know, I think all of us want to believe that we have something special that we can leave uh, in the world or bring to the world. Take, for instance, uh, Jonathan, what do you think of in like that guru category when I say talk show host? Like Fallon. Fallon. Who else? Letterman. Letterman. Leno. Oprah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. I keep forgetting there's an age divide between us. <laughs> who's, who's Oprah? <laughs> Ellen. Ellen's current, yeah, right? Okay. So, yeah. So, and then what about self-help? What big name in self-help do you think of? Why do you have to put me on the spot? Oh, come on. You're smart. I'm smart, but I'm not thinking of this right now. Okay. I'm thinking Tony Robbins. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, what's another category? Um, Oh, you're not into sports. Um, like basketball. Some Now, people will argue about this one, okay? Some people say LeBron, LeBron James. Some people say, you know, Kobe. Some people say Jordan, whatever. The point I'm trying to make here is that whenever we think of categories of industry, specialty, whatever, a name comes to mind. And I think there's a tendency in our world to want to be that best in class. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with striving towards that at all. I think it's normal to wonder if that's in us, um, something that is our real unique value and furthermore, normal to want it. Um, For some reason, I think today's, maybe the social media culture almost pushes us in that direction, leaving us average folks in the dust thinking we aren't very special. I mean, what if you aren't a guru of anything? I think about my three kids, okay? So I have one boy and two girls. They're all in college. My son in particular, this kid, very obvious talent from age five, okay? We didn't have to cultivate his abilities. We didn't have to uh, do anything to get him interested in art. He's a phenomenal artist. Um, We didn't have to put him in 50,000 art classes or activities to help him figure it out. He and all of us just knew. I mean, I remember he would bring me drawings and he was like four years old and I'm like, okay, I know we're all biased about our own kids, but I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, I think he's kind of gifted at this. Like, that's not a stick figure, right? Like that has a nose and arms and they're proportionate, you know? And so we kind of knew that he was exceptional in that area. And then the girls have really grown into over the years and are still really working at discovering you know, what do I want to do? What's my thing I want to bring into the world? What am I interested in? And it's actually really fun to watch that blossom in them and to watch them figure all of that out. And so I don't think there's a set time period or way that that develops in all of us, but I do think there are people that are just straight up talented. I mean, when you look at vocalists, right, you think of people 
you know, like, um, again, this is dating me, but you can't argue with the vocal talent of like Whitney Houston, right? Um, modern day folks, like who would you not argue is a phenomenal vocalist today? You know, I'm thinking like, there's so many too many controversial ones there. There are. But okay, so here's one I'm really interested in, and she's young, and that's Billie Eilish. Yeah. Like her voice in her songwriting is absolutely genius. I think like a Lady Gaga too. Lady Gaga is another great example. And so these people, I'm sure all of them have taken vocal lessons, right, to hone their craft, but nobody had to like, hey, maybe we should play, you know, basketball and, and go into band and, and go into choir to figure out what you're good at. No, these people were probably gifted from the beginning, right? So what about the rest of us though? Myself included. Like I never really could identify with that. I can more identify with folks that really don't, I don't feel like we have guru-ness in our blood. <laughs> um, now some might say, oh, Shannon, well, yours is servant leadership. But I then start to compare myself to big names and servant leadership academics like Russell and Stone. And of course, the father of servant leadership, Greenleaf, Ken Blanchard, of course. And, and that makes me say, well, I don't think I am. And maybe someday I can reach that expert level. I don't know. Um, but I am an expert at giving my opinions. I think I've been an expert at that since I was a young person. <laughs> But specifically, what I mean by that is if someone has a leadership issue or even a self-leadership issue, I think I'm even better at that. I'm pretty good at applying servant leadership mindset to that issue. So maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Um, this has actually come with time, however. It wasn't obvious to me. And here's the thing. I didn't seek it out. It kind of happened as I just followed that next logical step in my life. And I'm wondering if this is actually the norm. And if we can make it normal, maybe we can accept it more and kind of relax into it a little bit. Um, if you can identify, I, I want you to know that I think you are typical. Now, I'm not going to use the word normal because I don't know if we actually, any of us knows what normal is. So that's my thoughts on on being or finding your inner guru. Um these are things, um, or here are my thoughts on finding your inner guru. Uh, these are things that, by the way, I wish I'd known or done in retrospect. Um, and I believe that they would have helped me. And let me say, rather than thinking guru, I'd like to reframe that and think of it as finding your unique value. When I think about my unique value, um, it's easier for me to consider that than considering being a guru. Guru feels like a lot of pressure. So the first thing I'll offer up is something I alluded to very briefly just now, which is to relax. Stop stressing over being special, over being a guru, being the best, an expert. I really think that as long as you're like striving towards that, it's almost like you're trying too hard. I see people all the time who want to, you know, be the next awesome, whatever. Let's see. They want to be the next, you know, life coach. I see these all the time. They write blogs, they post on social media, all their wisdom. And they're like, you know, 30 years old. Now, no offense to younger people. Um, it, this is my opinion. And that is that life hasn't knocked you around enough by the time you're 30 to really have what only wisdom can bring. Now, does that mean you don't have wisdom? Does that mean you don't have experience that's, that is uh, relevant? No, that's not what that means. But by virtue of the term life coach, you have to have had experienced a lot of life to be able to give insight. It's time to sit down and get some training, get your heart broken a few more times maybe, and then let's talk. How do I know if someone's trying too hard? Well, a lot of what they're posting or writing about is somewhat trite. It's overused. It's straight from someone else's meme or someone else's book. Now, 
I believe that there's no new information under the sun. We all basically take what we learn, regurgitate it, apply it to our life and really kind of put it back out into the world. There's actually a popular author who ran into this problem with her book. I'm not even going to mention her name because I'm not interested in bashing anyone, but she wrote this book that became wildly popular and women everywhere loved it and probably still love it. Nothing wrong with that. But she came under a lot of public scrutiny because the originators of a lot of her ideas were able to like word for word point out in her book how she basically copied their ideas and loosely tried to relate it to her own life. I, when I read the book, I felt that the book was kind of disingenuous and trite myself. And as a result, I was wondering about the, like, is it genuine what she was bringing forth? And then all this criticism came out and I saw where a lot of the information was actually coming from. Here's the problem with that. If you haven't lived through something and actually experienced it yourself, it's really hard for you to adequately advise people and to put yourself up as an experienced um, specialist on it. And so that doesn't mean that through time that you can't do it. But the bottom line is, is When you try to do that without the adequate learning and life experience, it's going to come across as disingenuous. You need experience more and that's okay. You don't need to be in a rush to become something. It will take way more time than you think and you just got to accept that. Look at learning to be more authentic, original and unique as a journey. It's an adventure instead of a destination so that you can monetize yourself. Your unique value will emerge naturally as you relax into it and allow your life experiences to speak to you what's the most important thing for you to share and put out into the world rather than trying to craft it yourself from someplace that's not genuine. The second thing is, is while you're relaxing, learn. Take time to learn. Hire a coach, a good coach, someone who has lots of experience, who's much older than you, Um, someone who has experience in the area that you're interested in, someone who has training, and most importantly, someone who challenges you to the point of significant discomfort. If you find a coach who isn't calling you out on your bullshit every once in a while, you do not have a good coach. They should lead you to discomfort on a regular basis and push you beyond what you really think. Get training um, online, in person. I really don't care. Read books. Get to know this thing that you think you might be good at and get honest. Is it really resonating with you? What in your life experience has led you to this point? A childhood experience, a professional trajectory? You need to be able to connect the truest part of you to this thing that you want to put out in the world. I'll be honest, in this part of my growth, there were several things I thought I was good at. And the more I learned and the more I discovered about myself, the more I realized I wasn't. They were just my interests and hobbies. For example, I run a leadership development organization, but what I love to do with people one-on-one, what I love to put out in the world more than anything is coaching, not how to you know, nail that interview, not how to be a better servant leader, although I love talking about that, not how to shift your culture at work. But what I love to specialize in and what I believe is my unique value, and I apply this to servant leadership, is how to shift your mindset to bring you the results that you want. So while I can tell you and teach you all kinds of information on the actions of how to be a better servant leader, my specialty is helping you grow by helping you attack your mindset issues so that you can overcome your limiting beliefs. And it took me years 
to figure that out, to get that specific. The third thing within learning is to watch. Find someone that you think is a guru or has their unique value in an area of expertise and just watch them. You don't even have to know them. They can be someone online. Pay attention to how they communicate. Pay attention to their authenticity. What draws you to them? What makes them special to you? Resist the urge to copy them and rather think of ways you can implement their best practices. So it's not about doing what they do, but it's about emulating the emotion that they evoke. There's a difference there. The third thing, so the first thing is relax. The second is to learn. And the third, and this is the scariest part, and requires the most amount of patience, and that's to experiment. When you begin putting your unique value out there, you're going to mess up. You will fail. Good. I hope you fail often. I hope you fail fast because failure is simply a part of success. You're going to sound insincere because sometimes you are. You're trying to figure it out. You'll refine that over time. You're going to choose the wrong, let's say, business partner or work team member. You're going to put stuff off on social media that's all over the place, and then you'll learn not to do that. Be willing to try new stuff out. See how it feels, refine it and try again, but don't give up. Now, notice I didn't say put stuff out there and see how many people react. In this social media crazed world, we're trying to get people to like our posts and respond to our posts. And while that's a good marketing technique, if we're using that as a barometer for our unique value in the world, we're always going to fall short. Why? It's a dangerous place to be to put your value in other people's reactions. What you want to know is what resonates with you. What resonates with you as a person? What gives you the goosebumps as you're sharing it? I have them right now. I do believe we all have a unique value, but I don't believe we all get to leverage it the same way. I know that super successful authors and public speakers, there are some of them that travel the globe and charge anywhere from five dollars to $15,000 per keynote, and you've never heard of them. They don't leverage their specialty on social media or on blog posts or anything like that. Why? Well, for them, that kind of self-promotion wasn't a part of their unique value, and they found that they didn't need it. I've talked to folks on this podcast that, that are wildly successful in their specialty area, and you would never know their name had they not been on this podcast because they don't see that public eye, that social media success as a part of their success. And that's okay. We don't all have to be there. We're all out here trying to promote ourselves um, without any substance while the folks with the substance are out there doing their thing behind the scenes and making all kinds of money and having all kinds of impact. Impact is the goal, not recognition. Don't get it backwards. You don't have to be a Tony Robbins to successfully put your unique value out into the world. Now, final word for you corporate folks, you do have a unique value to bring as well. Maybe it's the way you connect to your team. You're masterful at team building. Maybe it's leading people through professional development. I know of a woman here in Columbus who spent 30 years in corporate learning and development. And now in her 60s, she just now feels ready to bring that unique value to other organizations as a consultant. It took her 30 years to get there. This is going to take time. Now, I'm not saying it should take everyone that long, but I am saying that even what you do at work, you have a unique value at work. And if one of those things gives you life, drive a Mack truck through it, relax into it, learn as much as you can and watch others. Soon you'll find your way too. Now, that's all I have today, folks. If you'd like to connect with me, once again, hit me up at slapcast at relayleadership.org. I'd love to hear from you. Peace out. <laughs>